Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Every Square Inch. My name is Robert Cunningham, and as you listen to this episode, I have officially begun my sabbatical that will last through the summer. Many of you already knew that. Some of you uh, probably did not. But yes, I'm on sabbatical through July. And as I shut things down, I do want to just take a moment to say thank you uh, for your support of this podcast. Honestly, I started the podcast just because I wanted a space where I could uh, speak to issues. I don't think the pulpit is the place for the pastor to opine on things that um, to share opinions that may or may not represent the opinions of the congregation. Uh, So I wanted a space for that. I also wanted a space to equip my congregation, Taste Creek Presbyterian Church, to do cultural engagement well. And so that's what the podcast was intended to be. I did not expect how far-reaching this resource uh, would become. So very grateful for that. Bless the Lord for that. And thank you so much for all of you who have reached out with kind words and Thanksgiving, and and also questions and disagreements, which I always welcome. So anyway, thank you so much for your support of the podcast. In light of my sabbatical, what I wanted to do was record an unconventional podcast. Usually, as you know, I try to give a Christian perspective on cultural issues, but in this episode, I wanted to record a podcast devoted, dedicated to all my fellow pastors out there. I know a lot of pastors listen to this, and I hope you find it encouraging. I hope I'm able to put into words your experience. But having said that, even though this podcast is devoted to you, the target audience is actually not you. It is not the pastors. It is those that the pastors are pastoring. I have a request for all my listeners. If you have enjoyed the content of this podcast— As I take a break for sabbatical, I have a way that you can thank us. Of course, I would appreciate the normal five-star rating, kind review. If you haven't done that for us yet, please consider doing that. But I literally have an assignment for you. I want you to listen to this episode all the way through. And if you agree, if you find it compelling, I would like for you to send it to the leadership of your church. Now, when I say leadership, I don't mean your pastor. You're welcome to send it to your pastor as a, as a way to encourage your pastor. But I, I, when I say leadership, I mean those who have the authority to make decisions but who are not the pastors. In my context, the Presbyterian church, that would be the elders. Uh, perhaps for your church, it would be deacons, or maybe there's a board or something like that. Maybe it's a less formal context, and it's just that person in the church who, for whatever reason, their opinion and voice holds a lot of weight. Someone in your church who is an influential decision maker, but not your pastor. If you find this compelling, send it to them, and then ask them to listen and consider. I am very blessed to serve a church that provides a sabbatical every seven years for its pastors. It's written in our policy. Now, even though it is a policy for our church, I also recognize there are some in our congregation, particularly those who are new to our fellowship, uh, that aren't necessarily opposed to me taking a sabbatical, but don't fully understand the concept. And so what I was doing is I was writing kind of a final word to the congregation, explaining the reasoning behind Uh, the concept. But as I was writing that, I kept thinking, 
you know, my church is not the church that needs to hear this. I, we are by no means a perfect congregation. I could, I could be the first to tell you where we struggle, where we need to improve. Believe me, I see that. But care for our pastoral team is not an area of weakness for our church. And so I had this thought. What if I recorded a podcast that certainly my congregation could listen to if they wanted to better understand why I'm taking a sabbatical, but more so a resource that Christians could share with their church leadership and say, I want my pastor to be granted a sabbatical. I just had this lovely thought of all of these church members sharing this podcast on behalf of their pastor so that the pastor wasn't asking for a sabbatical, but this crazy idea that the congregants were demanding it on their pastor's behalf. Wouldn't that be amazing? It just got me so excited. So if ever there was a podcast I wanted to go viral, it's this one because I want churches to hear this. I want pastors to be cared for well. So that's what this is about. So this is not a a cultural engagement episode, so to speak. Uh, this, You know, actually it is because our culture needs healthy pastors now more than ever. And also our culture is a crazy, neurotic, anxious, workaholic mess. So maybe there are lessons to glean from this for all of us. But admittedly, this podcast is for all those weak and weary pastors out there. My gift to you, my beloved band of brothers. So Why am I taking a sabbatical, and why should your pastor take a sabbatical? You know the line of reasoning before I say it. I work hard. I don't get a sabbatical. Why should my pastor? Now, personally, as an aside, I think the American workplace is a completely jacked up mess owned by the idolatry of American success and productivity and money and so forth, and your job should incorporate better rhythms of renewal. Uh, That is something American culture could learn from other cultures, but that's a podcast for another day. Having said that, I will say this. I know you don't get a sabbatical. I totally understand that, but I say this with with respect, and and hopefully you, you, you hear it the way I'm intending to say it. Your job is not like your pastor's job. No matter how hard you work, and I know you work hard, no matter how stressful your job is, and I know it's stressful, even still... The pastorate is utterly unique and therefore requires unique renewal. Now, there's a biblical and historical case to be made for pastoral sabbaticals, but in my experience, it's when I pull back the curtain and let folks in on the uniqueness of the pastorate that a sabbatical begins to make sense. So that's what I want to do. If nothing else, I I think this podcast will help grow you in your appreciation and empathy for your pastor. But I hope it ends with your pastor getting a sabbatical. Let me give you four reasons why your pastor's work is uniquely challenging. And I mean that the unique part. That's what I'm emphasizing here. I am not going to argue for a sabbatical by saying pastors are underpaid. Listen, a lot of professions are underpaid. Teachers, for example, are incredibly underpaid. I'm not going to talk about pastors are overworked. A lot of professions are overwork their employees. I'm not going to talk about how we're never able to turn off the phone. We're never able to escape work. A lot of professions are not able to turn it off. There are a lot of vocations out there with um, stress and, and difficulties and pressures, and we have that in common. What I want to talk about are the unique challenges of being a pastor. 
um, and why your pastor uniquely needs a sabbatical. And I'm going to organize my thoughts into a fitting acronym here, REST. Your pastor uniquely needs REST. Why? R, routine. E, expectations. S, studies. T, trauma. Okay, first, routine, a unique routine. I'm going to let you in on a little secret, something your pastor may not feel the freedom to admit, but I will admit on their behalf. It is very easy to forget Jesus when Jesus is your daily routine. Very easy to exhaust yourself in calling, inspiring, leading, equipping others to follow Jesus while neglecting that same following in your own personal life. You know, I watch these um, pastoral tragedies unfold. And while others are surprised and say, how can that happen? How can that person who so passionately proclaimed Jesus then turn away from Jesus? I get why people are surprised by that, but I'm not. Not at all. I totally get it. Does it mean I approve of it? Does it mean I wish it wasn't happening? Does it mean that I don't lament over it? But I understand the dynamic of pastoral duplicity. I have preached sermons that passionately, eloquently, persuasively moved people to Jesus while at the same time my heart was far from Jesus. And if I wasn't surrounded by a community that knows me, constantly held me accountable, brought me back to Jesus, a church like mine that is granting me a sabbatical, I totally am capable of being one of those stories that show up on the news. All of us are in the pastorate. And there is a simple reason for this. Let's not overcomplicate things. Jesus is my routine, and therefore it is very easy for Jesus to become routine. Put it like this. I hope you're very content in your vocation. I certainly am. I love my job, and I hope you do too. But I don't care how much you love your job. You know how good it feels to clock out, so to speak, to shut things down, leave the office, escape from work. That's very normal, and that is to be expected. But imagine with me that what you are shutting down, what you are escaping from is Jesus, <laughs> the things of God. What a strange dynamic when Jesus is your job. And what it does is it makes us uniquely susceptible to that common Christian struggle of forgetting our first love. I use that word uniquely susceptible intentionally. I think pastors are uniquely vulnerable to drifting away from Jesus into doubting minds and cold emotions and harmful habits. I think that is a unique temptation for pastors of all people. Now that happens for a variety of reasons that I will get to in a moment, but one of the most underappreciated reasons is simply the inevitable numbness that takes place when Jesus is your day-in, day-out vocational routine. I have a friend who grew up going to Disney World every year, multiple times a year. If her family was taking a vacation, it was to Disney. And so from her earliest years, she had this fondness, this nostalgia, this obsession with Disney, and her dream was to work at Disney one day. Well, she graduates college, and sure enough, her first job out of college is at Disney. And guess what she discovered? Disney wasn't quite the same when she worked there. The enchanting magic that is Disney World wasn't quite there when Disney World was her routine. 
Now, it's one thing to become disillusioned with Disney World. No big deal. It is eternally dangerous to get disillusioned with Jesus. And the pastorate is uniquely susceptible to that dynamic. Every pastor I know got into ministry because they were captivated by Jesus. Much like my friend's obsession for the magic of Disney, we're obsessed with the glory of Jesus and say, I want to work there. And yet something strange happens. A domestication of the glory of God when God is our daily routine. And what the sabbatical provides is a break from that routine and an opportunity to remember again our first love, to be captured once again by that which led us into the ministry in the first place. To further the analogy, I can't tell you how excited I am to just visit Disney World rather than going to Disney World for work. Does that make sense to you? I know I'm milking this Disney thing more than I should. Um, But I I just want to be a guest at Disney. I don't want to work at Disney for a season. I can't wait to open my Bible just to be alone with God. The God I truly do love so much. But I feel like after many years of ministry, speaking candidly, after many years of ministry in his name, I need that love renewed. I want to open my Bible and not prepare anything. To not be thinking, how can I apply what I'm reading to others? Not mulling over it in my mind, how to make what I'm reading understandable to the masses. Just reading, encountering my God in his word, and remembering again how much I love Jesus. Or take worship as an example. For Christians, that weekly gathering is a spiritual lifeline that recalibrates our souls to God. And absolutely, it is that for the minister as well. But it's just different. It just is. It's the difference between hosting a party and attending a party. Both enjoy the party, no doubt. But the host enjoys it and has responsibilities that the guests do not have. The host has to prepare the party. The host has to be attentive during the party to make sure everything is going well and on and on we could go. They can't just be at the party simply to enjoy the party. And eventually, after hosting, time after time after time after time after time, the party can become burdensome, not as life-giving. And you just want to not host a party and attend a party. Well, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to this season of just showing up and going to church, to just listen to a sermon I did not have to prepare, to not worry how things are going while the service is going on, to just be in worship with God's people, soaking in the means of grace rather than administering the means of grace. I think you get the point of what I'm trying to say here. I'm excited for a break from the routine and remembering again why I joyfully accepted this routine in the first place. I don't need a break from Jesus. That's the last thing I need a break from. I need a break from Jesus being my routine. All right, so R, routine. E, expectations. Let me tell you what's really unique about the pastorate. I can't think of another profession where you are so beholden to the opinion and expectations of others. The only thing I can compare it to is the customer service industry. But even there, it's just so different. In the customer service industry, the customer is paying you a lot of money to have their opinions and expectations met. They pay you to cater to their expectations. I don't, have, I don't think I have to tell you this, but um, 
That ain't the case with the pastorate. Now, of course, the pastorate is notoriously underpaid calling. I get that, but that's not even what I'm talking about here. Here's what I'm talking about. You can join a church. You could not serve that church. You could never tie the penny to that church. You could simply be a consumer and yet have an opinionated, thorn-in-the-flesh relationship with your pastor. (laughs) And it gets even worse because religious opinions bear religious fervor. And so the pastor finds themselves drowning beneath the flood of opinions that to the opinion holder are eternally significant opinions. Now, you might be listening to this. I hope you're listening to this thinking, that's not me. I'm not that obnoxious, opinionated church member. And I hope that's the case. But here's what you need to know about the pastorate. It's not the congregant crank that makes it so tough. Personally, I find it very easy to ignore those voices. I'm not saying we have those voices in our church, but if we did, I would not have a hard time ignoring them. Here's the difficulty. It's the cumulative effect that is so weighty, meaning this. Those folks who truly do love you and support you, They don't want to be a burdensome presence to you. But of course they have opinions about their church, as they should. Of course they have opinions about the church. It's central to their lives. And you really do want to hear them out. You want to consider them. But there are so many others who love you and support the church, who also have opinions that are just as passionate. And you really do want to hear from them as well. So suppose you came to your pastor and said, I love you so much. I'm just so thankful for you. I'm so supportive of you. I love our church. I really don't want to be, quote unquote, that member. But there is just one thing I wanted to share. That sounds harmless, and it is by itself. But here's the thing. If every member of the church is an I love you, but there's just one thing type of member, then your pastor is suddenly dealing with a ridiculous amount of just one thing opinions. And so before long, The pastor finds themselves playing this frantic, exhausting game of managing seemingly endless expectations. Expectations that bear the weight of religious fervor. And oftentimes, there is literally no way to respond without disappointing, hurting, perhaps even angering the ones you love. For example, I guarantee right now, your pastor is struggling with something, and it's this. There are passionate opinions on both sides of the mask debate within your church and how that plays out within your church. And guess what? People your pastor loves and trusts very much are on opposite ends of that mask debate. And they have good reasons for their opinions. So here's what your pastor is facing. There is literally no way to make a decision on masks without upsetting people that your pastor loves very much. Do you see what I mean? The expectations are just so unique, and they're exhausting. And it's different for every pastor and every church, by the way. Some pastors deal with the expectation of church growth. I've talked to dear friends in the ministry who explicitly have been told that the church needs to be growing, the church needs to be growing, and they're they're overwhelmed with that expectation, and they're counting people in the seats every week. It's not people to be shepherd. They're numbers in a pew to, to, to meet these expectations of church growth. 
It's just an exhausting experience. I've talked to pastors where the expectation is more toward congregational care, where everybody in the church expects to be the best friends with pastors. Everybody in the church expects for the pastor to be in their home and to know them. And there's just this unmeetable burden to care for everybody in an intimate way. Some pastors deal with expectations for better sermons who just deal with endless feedback about their preaching and teaching and whatnot. I'll tell you one personally that I'm looking forward to, the expectation to have an opinion and speak to issues. That's kind of become one for me. I've had uh, several people ask me, well-intended, very well-intended, I totally get it and, and I'm, I'm, I understand it, but I've had several people ask, well, surely you're going to keep doing your podcast during your sabbatical, right? And the answer to that is, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I can't tell you how excited I am to not have an opinion on anything going on. By the way, I must say, I haven't even gotten to the biggest expectation every pastor faces, their own. Please understand this about your pastor. Nobody is more disappointed with your pastor than your pastor. Nobody wishes things were different at the church more than the pastor of the church. (laughs) These self-inflicted expectations are the most exhausting of them all. Now listen, it's sin. We should repent, but it is good to have a sabbatical from the relentless pressure that we place on ourselves in ministry. Okay, so uh, unique routine, unique expectations, S, unique studies. This one won't take long uh, because this one isn't necessarily unique to the pastorate. There is a category for this out there, and and you find it in the academics. Um, It's a simple concept. Uh, part of the pastor's job description is study and learn. And just like academics need a break from all of their responsibilities to devote themselves to research, so does the pastor. We could pull off sermon prep, maybe Bible study, Sunday school throughout the week. But if you want your pastor to, to be able to grow in the depths of knowledge, to grow in their theology so that they are better equipped to equip you, then you have to give them time away to study. I guarantee that right now, your pastor has a pile of books sitting in their office. Books that they are longing to read, but they just don't have any time to read them. I promise. Go ask them right now. I promise. They could take you to their office and make a point and say, yep, there's my pile. Well, here's the thing. You want them to read those books. You want their new insights, developed theology, mature thinking, newfound vision. They are paid to study and think and deliver that to you. So give them a sabbatical to do just that. If academics were not granted research sabbaticals, then the field of knowledge would grow stagnant and there would be nothing new introduced. Well, the same is true of your church. Your pastor needs a research sabbatical to grow the field of knowledge within your congregation. S, study. Okay, last one. T, trauma. This is a big one. If for no other reason your pastor needs a sabbatical from the trauma of ministry. I want you to imagine a time, not when you went through a traumatic event, but when someone you loved went through trauma. Now, certainly the trauma did not impact you like it impacted them, but absolutely it had an effect on you, didn't it? Do you remember how exhausting it was? Do you remember the earnest gut-wrenching prayers that you prayed? Do you remember perhaps even anger you had toward God? Do you remember 
that maddening feeling of hopelessness to fix the situation that you so desperately wanted to fix? Do you remember the sleepless nights, the anxiety, the depression? Do you remember how when the trauma was over, you just needed a break from everything? So I'm not implying that it's as bad as being the victim of the trauma, but loving those suffering through trauma is itself a trauma. Friends, that is your pastor's routine. We are in the business of trauma. People's worst moments in life, their nightmares are our job. The only thing that compares, I suppose, would be something like first responders or surgeons or ICU nurses, professions like this. Now, while I know these folks absolutely care for those they are caring for, at the end of the day, they just don't know them like a pastor knows their flock. And so they are able to go about their trauma care with some level of detachment. Again, not to say they don't care. Of course they care. They really do, especially the good ones. You people who deal in the trauma fields, the good ones care. But put it this way. I'll put it this way. What if every patient the surgeon operated on was someone they knew and loved deeply? What if everybody that came into the ER is someone that that nurse or that ER doctor knew and loved? What if every person that a first responder responded to is someone that first responder knew and loved deeply? I cannot overemphasize enough how exhausting it is to live in the worst moments of other people's lives. People you love, take it a step further, people you have vowed before Almighty God to love. I just went back through this past month, and for obvious reasons, I'm not going to share, but you would not believe the trauma that I have walked friends through just in a month. And my job description as a pastor of preaching and vision at a, at a fairly larger church with a staff that helps bear those burdens. I, it's, it's safe to assume that your pastor is probably bearing more, much more than I am. Friends, without a sabbatical, without a season removed from the trauma of people's lives, it is simply unsustainable, which is why the rates of pastoral burnout, depression, anxiety, addiction, and yes, suicide within the pastorate are higher than nearly every other profession. And I haven't even mentioned the trauma of being on the front lines of spiritual warfare. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Folks, that's real, and every pastor knows it. Let me tell you something. Satan hates your pastor. Satan hates your pastor's family. Satan wants nothing more than to see another pastoral burnout scandal. And to ask your pastor to be on the front lines of that battle with no break is as unconscionable as asking our soldiers to live in constant deployment without bringing them home for seasons of rest. Everybody has trauma. I'm not denying that. Everybody loves people who have trauma. I'm not denying that. Your pastor's vocation is trauma. Give them a sabbatical. Now, Having said all that, it is really important for you to hear me say this. Don't you feel sorry for me, 
and don't you feel sorry for your pastor. None of us are looking for pity here. We chose this calling because we love this calling, and oh, what an honor it is to serve an ordained ministry, the highest honor of my life. And when Jesus says to me one day, well done, good and faithful servant, those words will be worth all the suffering. So don't pity us. Just give us a sabbatical. (laughs) I am blessed to serve a church that has it in their policy. If that's not your church, would you send this to your leadership? And would you say, here's my one demand as a church member. And just as they think, "Uh uh-oh, here comes the opinion. Here's my demand. I want my pastor granted a sabbatical. Now, if you're a pastor, I hope I've given words to your experience as you listen to this. Here's what I think you should do. I'm giving you permission to do this. I'm telling you to do this. I want you to share this with someone in your congregation that you trust. Someone you know loves you. I want you to send them this podcast with a winking emoji and say, you know what to do. And then let them share it for you. Okay. And with that, I am shutting things down. Love you all very much. Thank you so much for your support. Signing off for the summer. Lord willing, we will be back in August for another episode of Every Square Inch. Thank you.